Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Good morning, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode of On the Finside here with Cat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the fan-sided network and finfanatic.com. I'm Brian Cat, NFL, Paul's fanatic underscore pick. The Dolphins are 8-3 and three, going to San Francisco this Sunday, 4 o'clock Eastern time game against uh, the 49ers. The Dolphins are currently three-and-a-half-point underdogs. Temperatures expected to be... Pretty mild in the 50s, uh, you know, winds at about five miles an hour as of right now. You never know in San Francisco. Um, and this will be on Sunday, 47 calendar days in a row that the Dolphins have not lost a football game. So things are certainly trending up. And, of course, we are seeing the uh, what I call the bro off here of um, um, Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan. Uh, in San Francisco, obviously, McDaniel was Shanahan's right-hand man. They know each other very well. Uh, it's going to be an emotional return for him. Got to stay focused here on the game and the win. Uh, and I'm I'm sure Mike McDaniel's is is going to make sure his team does that. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting because the the Dolphins have several ex 49ers players, guys like Raheem Moster, uh, guys like Jeff Wilson. Uh, Kyle Shanahan does know some of Mike McDaniel's tendencies and Mike McDaniel sure as hell knows not only a lot of Kyle Shanahan's tendency, Kyle Shanahan's tendencies, but also a lot of the tendencies of the players on that team. I expect this to be a very interesting game and I expect it to be one where some things are shut down that are normally open for different players on both teams uh, because of the way these guys know each other so well. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll see who has the advantage in, when they go against each other because, if anybody, because they know each other so well. Um, looking at the Dolphins right now, after the Bills beat the Patriots here on Thursday Night Football, um, you know, a game I would prefer the Patriots to win. It would have given the Dolphins a better chance to win the division here, but I didn't expect that to happen anyway. Now that we're past that, the Dolphins – According to the New York Times simulation, I have an 86% chance to make the playoffs as we sit here today. A Dolphins win over the 49ers, you're talking about a, a chance to make the playoffs in the, in the low 90s. You couple that with a Jets loss to the Vikings this weekend, you're talking about the Dolphins being at 95 or 96% and 9-3. and three, And basically, you're at the point where the Dolphins could lose out and still possibly make the playoffs. So obviously, we don't expect that to happen, but... Um, 
yeah, I mean, th things are looking very up right now. But on the other side here too, Paul, I will say this. It is extremely important that the Dolphins win one of the next two games. Because it if is. they don't, if they don't, you're talking about them being eight and five. And these are two tough games against the 49ers and then against the Chargers on the road in primetime. If they don't, they're eight and five. And now you're in a wild card battle with the Chargers, Jets, and Bengals, three teams that the Dolphins have lost to. So got to win one of the next two. Yeah, and, and, and as much as I hate to say it, the more important of the two is next week's game. Um, it's you don't want to have all the tiebreakers for wild cards going to the other teams. Uh, and that makes the Chargers a more important battle than, than the 49ers, even though, let's face it, I mean, the oddest thing to say right now is there is the potential that this is a Super Bowl preview this weekend. Now, that's cart way ahead of the horse, but that's actually the potential for this game, which feels wild to say right now. Right. It's quite possible. I mean, uh, the 49ers right now, as we head into week 13, I can't think of a better team in the NFC right now. I mean, I know the Eagles and the Vikings are ahead of them in the standings, but the 49ers are playing very, very well. And then the Dolphins, obviously, have got the Bills and Chiefs in the conference. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, it's quite possible uh, that – that that's the case. And, and that would be, that would be fantastic, obviously. Um, so the dolphins game got flex next week from three to prime time, which I love and you love, cause we, we don't like this time slot here. Uh, <laughs> I'd rather have eight o'clock than four o'clock. Yeah. I, I like noon or prime time. I, I don't like the three o'clock ones. I, I, I want to watch the noon games go crazy. And then at three, just kind of decompress and then start watching the game again a couple of times. Um, that's not the case here. But anyway. For, for um, those of you in chat, Kat is the one person on the planet that, that sticks to central time no matter what. But it's, it's for everybody else, it's either 4 o'clock on the East Coast, 1 o'clock on the West Coast. There's no random 3 o'clock games for, for, for the majority of folks out there. Yep. 3 central, 4 eastern. Yeah, I, sh I should say that, but then I'd get confused on a day-to-day -day basis in my daily life. But anyway. <laughs> um, you mentioned last week how you thought a game would get flexed here, and you said maybe it would be the 49ers game, maybe it would be the Chargers game. And at the time, I was thinking, no, they're not going to. I didn't say it, but I was thinking, I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, but they did. They, they flexed the Chargers game. And I made a post on Twitter that's about how pretty amazing that Tua has gone from, is he good or bad, to the number one rated quarterback in the NFL this year in quarterback rating. And now you've flexed. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs out of that time slot and you put the Dolphins in it and I got so much back oh uh, two is not the reason that that happened now I will I'll, I've got news for you if Tua does not play at this level I don't care who the Chiefs are playing there's no chance in hell that the Chiefs are getting flexed out of that spot Tua is a reason not the reason um this with with the fact that next week is a matchup with a lot of playoff implications, it's I, I don't think the national media is quite ready to go two over Mahomes. Let's throw him in. It, whether two is the number one ranked quarterback or not right now. But the 40 or the Dolphins and Chargers matchup has a hell of a lot more interesting storylines than wow, Russell Wilson really does suck. You know, like and and that's a big thing right now 
Right. I mean, it's it's for a couple of reasons, but the common denominator is Tua versus Herbert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one exciting, and the Dolphins having a very exciting offense because of Tua. And I mean, not just I mean, of course Hill, Waddle, Armstead, everybody else, yes, but it's the quarterback that people want to see in prime time. The you know people that don't deep dive into the game as as deeply as we do. So anyway. Um, looking at this game here, Paul, now, uh, on the injury report, uh, as we know, you know, we've gotten some great news on Teron Armstead this week at first it, it, when we did the, the wrap up show last week, after the dolphins took down the Texans, we really thought that Armstead might be gone for the year. And then it was, he's, well, he's probably going to miss two or three weeks. Teron Armstead was on the team flight here and he's doubtful. So trending toward not playing, but that's certainly encouraging. And then for the uh, 49ers, um, Christian McCaffrey is going to play. Um, Debo Samuel, however, is questionable. And latest reports are that his injury is not responding in a way that that may make him available here for Sunday. And also Trent Williams had back spasms yesterday. This came out of nowhere. Um, he said it's big guy problems and, you know, he's probably going to play there at left tackle tomorrow, but, um, Debo Samuel out would be big. It would. And, and even if Trent Williams plays, Trent Williams is not hundred percent with, with, with a back issue and a back issue can be devastating for an offensive lineman. So that could be an interesting bit of information with that. Uh, I hope Teron Armstead is able to go, but I hope if he goes, he is actually able to go because I don't want to put him at risk for the rest of the season um, for one game. And yeah, it's a a tale of two tackles in this game. It really is. Um, You know, it's the 49ers have a very good pass rush and Austin Jackson's out, uh, which puts Brandon Shell hopefully back at right tackle. But if Teron Armstead is out, that that really hurts, and it hurts what you can do, as you saw in the second half of the Texans game last week. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. And and you know, I, I don't root for a player to be out, but I, you know, Austin Austin Jackson, him being out, I, my fear was that possibly that you're going to have Austin Jackson at right tackle and Brandon Shell at left tackle, and that is the worst combination of the Dolphins' offensive tackles. Um, it looks like, I mean, I would hope that Brandon Shell is going to start at right tackle here regardless. And then at left tackle, it's either going to be Armstead or Greg Little. Now, Greg Little was atrocious in the last couple of starts that he had, but he was also playing with a hurt hand. Um, when, before that, when he was healthy, he was, start, he was starting to look, you know, at least like an average tackle. So we hope that if Armstead's out, that, uh, that he can get back to that level at least because he is going up against Nick Bosa. And Nick Bosa is one of the best defensive ends in the NFL. 11 and a half sacks, which is second in the league. And he's third or fourth in pressure. So he's going to be in the backfield. Now, it's also encouraging that the Dolphins a couple of weeks ago, albeit with Armstead, were able to neutralize and focus on Miles Garrett and take him out of the game. Yeah, no, it's it's that's going to be a fun thing to watch. But a big part of that, like I said, like like you said, was was Teron Armstead. Um you said Armstead, and I was I was I was already thinking about the injuries that San Francisco's had this year, and uh, I believe they get their Armstead back this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. and, and 
that's also big along that defensive front. This offensive line is going to have to have a good game in this because it's not just neutralizing one real threat. It's neutralizing a handful of threats along that defensive front. Right. Yeah. Uh, Javon Kinlaw is on injured reserve. Um, Eric Armstead has been out since week four. Uh, they're going to get him back and and that's going to be a big return for them because I mean, crazy that the 49ers defensively here are allowing to opposing running backs 3.19 yards a carry. And they've had those issues at the defensive tackle spot. D'Amico Ryans is doing a phenomenal job with this team. And this is going to be, to me, the most exciting, I mean, not just because we're Dolphins fans, but the best matchup here of the week. You're going to have an offense that is second in total or third in total yards, sixth in points, going up against a 49ers defense that is number one in yards allowed, number one in points allowed. So you've got this is this is uh, a matchup that that should be one for the ages if if it lives up to its promise. Yeah, and the interesting thing, like as well, is if uh, if the Chargers and not to go back to that didn't have uh, their bows on injured reserve, we'd be, we'd have back to back bows a weeks um, and. and Bose is a scary dude coming off the edge. He really is. Like it's it's he can impact the game in so many ways. He can get to the, the quarterback. And Greg Little versus Joey Bose or Greg Little versus Brandon Shell is not ideal for us. Uh, no, it's Tua needs to do a good job of getting the ball out, moving the pocket, and doing those things that help their offensive linemen, as well as Miami needs to be able to establish the run in this game. Uh, hopefully Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert have a little something to prove to San Francisco uh, for why they should have been the guy. But that's going to be key in this game because if that defense can just pin their ears back, we might be in trouble in that situation. Yeah, I, I mean, it's obvious to say at any point, but it's it's more important than this one. It Neither one of these teams can get down because – if the 49ers get down, you know, if it's – and the Dolphins have the – you know, because of, of their offense, they could go in and, and the other team can blink and they're down 10 to nothing. Now that the Dolphins have Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb on the outside, they're able to pin their ears back and get a lot of pressure on the quarterback if that's the case. And that's when Jimmy Garoppolo could be in trouble. The same is true on the other side of the ball. If the Dolphins have one of their slow starts and get down 10 to nothing – and you don't have Teron Armstead and you've got Nick Bosa going up against Greg Little, that could be a big, big problem. So, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting battle as far as that's concerned. Uh, as far as Tua, um, without question, the best defense he's going to face this year. I mean, this is the best defense in the NFL. To me, the second best defense is not even close. Um and one thing that also makes this Niners defense special, and one thing too has got to watch out for, uh, is uh, our, our two players. You got uh, uh, Hufanga at, at strong safety, and you've got Fred Warner at linebacker. Unlike some of the other teams the Dolphins have faced, these guys can cut off routes over the middle. And, you know, Tyreek Kill and Jalen Waddle, not only can they obviously go deep, but they've made a lot of their cheddar on those crossing routes for 10, 15 yards. Now, I'm not saying that's not going to be there, but it's going to be a little bit tougher this week. It is. And 
it, it's if if that's what San Francisco takes away, Miami has the speed at receiver to get open deep. And I go back to the Chiefs game. This is Miami's chance to prove that they are who the national media is starting to recognize them as. This is Miami's chance to prove that Tua is what we think he is, what the NFL thinks he is, uh, or what um, Dolphin fans think he is, and, and what a lot of fans have started to, to see in him. Uh, you look back at that Chiefs game, Patrick Mahomes threw for over 400 yards. He had two receivers over 100 yards, almost a third in Travis Kelsey. And this is where Miami needs to look at and mirror a little bit of what the Chiefs did, even though the 49ers were facing a few injury issues at that point in time. Um, you need to be able to move the ball against them. If you can start opening things up, you can open up the underneath routes by dropping a couple over the top, even if you miss, even if you overthrow Tyreek Hill or overthrow Jalen Waddle or overthrow said Wilson or Mike Gesicki, you still start to open up the middle of that defense because they have to respect and account for that deep ball. And that's when you can open up a ton of things. You have to use the deep ball to set up the intermediate routes, use the running game to set up the pass and be balanced and effective and aggressive against this 49ers defense. Because if you sit back and play tentative, that's not where you want to be with this team. No, and I don't expect the uh, this offense to, to be tentative any no. game here in the rest of the year, and neither do you. Uh, and Paul's referring there to the, the 49ers um, 44 to 23 loss to the Chiefs earlier in the year as, as an example of the importance of getting, of getting out quickly and then putting heat on, on, on the quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson return. And I'm, I'm very glad to see Raheem Mostert back. And, and look, I mean, Jeff Wilson didn't have a lot of room to run last week, which was a little bit of a surprise. Dolphins had 26 carries for 66 yards against a Texans defense that had been letting up a lot of five and a half yards of carry to opposing running backs on the ground heading into that game. Um, but I'm, I'm happy Mostert's back because it gives the Dolphins two different types of running backs. Jeff Wilson does a lot better on the inside where he Mostert is able to take the handoff on that long stretch play and turn a two yard gain into a 10 yard gain very easily. Yeah. You've, you've got to account for that and that opens up the rest of the field. So yeah, they, they can't get shut down on the ground again and at, at wide receiver, um, Tyree Kill needs 67 receiving yards to get to 1300 on the air. And Jalen Waddell needs 37 to get to it, to get to a thousand on the air. Two things to look out for here in this game. Um, but. And Mike Kosicki needs 731 to get to a thousand. Mike Kosicki needs to catch a pass. So I'm not making any more Kosicki predictions. I thought uh, last week it was going to be. Um, his breakout game, I predicted eight for 110, and he had zero for zero. So I'm, I'm not going to – no, we're, we're done there. But, hey, look, Kaseki is still is a big chess piece here, and um, I, I, I hope he's on the field a lot because he does create mismatches uh, when, when he is out there. Oh, I hope uh, Tobacco Ryans forgets all about him going into this game. Uh, me too, me too. Uh, in fact, uh, maybe he'll catch another 70-yard pass like he did against the Niners two years ago. And then we'll see him do that horrible gritty again. Yeah. Um, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle are going to go up here against um, 
uh, Traverius Ward, a former Sam Madison protege in Kansas City, who they gave big money to, and he's been fantastic for them. So this is one of the better cornerbacks the Dolphins are going to face this year. Um, on the uh, on the other side, uh, I'm not going to even try to pronounce his first name, but his last name, Lenore, the former uh, uh, Oregon Duck. Um, when we talked to uh, Oscar here in our opponent preview, said that's really one of the leaky positions there on their team. Um, with, because Emmanuel Mosley and Jason Barrett are both out for the year. So now they're down to their fourth cornerback. So the Dolphins have to make them pay there with, with Lenore and with Jimmy Ward in the slot. There's a definite mismatch potential there for, for Hill and Waddle. There is. Now, now the one guy that worries me uh, on San Francisco's defense as far as the passing game goes is Talanoa Hufanga. Uh, the safety. He's got four interceptions, 65 tackles. Uh, He's one of those guys that's all over the field. And, and, you know, it's Miami's had a tendency to go to the middle. I want to see them start kind of hitting the edges of of the field a little bit more to start spreading that defense out because it's that tendencies out there. It's known now. So now you got to really utilize those edges of the field, which also tends to take safeties out of the, the equation and also put them out of position a lot. Uh, and, and that's yep. where you really need to see Hill and Waddle run some fade fades to the outs, um, out and ups, fly patterns, you name it from, from the outside. Uh, and that's something that hopefully we see a little bit of in this game to put somebody like that on, on roller skates back there. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Yeah, yeah, and... Hufanga is, like I said earlier, he and Warner, they, they scare me in their ability to cut off routes. So, mm-hmm. if, I, you know, with, with Tua uh, throughout the year, he's been able, he's, he's thrown to the middle of the field a lot. And there are very few defenses in the NFL that can keep up with that. Um, and the 49ers are one that can. It's part of the reason for their success. Um, Hufanga on the year, four interceptions a forced fumble, a sack, a, you know, former fifth round pick. I've got to say that in our pre-draft coverage, I didn't think too much of because I didn't think he was very fast and that's still the case, but he certainly has the football IQ to make up for it. So he's been a big, big find for them, but uh, just in general for the 49ers on defense, D'Amico Ryan's, he's going to be a head coach in the next couple of years and he will Mm -hmm. definitely deserve it. This is a former, as a player, he was the second round pick in the 20, uh, 2006 draft when Mario Williams was the number one overall pick. So guy that's, you know, from a coaching aspect has learned, has learned the ropes very quickly. 
what I've noticed in his defense too, and, and Oscar and our opponent preview also confirmed this is that they don't blitz a lot, but they're very selective in their blitzing. So they're not going to bring the house, but they're going to, they're going to rush for and bring an extra guy. And you don't know where that guy is coming from. So Tua, in addition to the problems that offensive tackle for the Dolphins has to have his head on a swivel um, when the, when the 49ers bring that blitz. Yeah, no. And that's, that's very synonymous with how D'Amico Ryan's played. D'Amico Ryan's played as a very intelligent player that blitz selectively, but when he did was very effective at doing so. And you know, he, he was always actually a player I really liked, and he's somebody that I really respected their mind for the game. Um, the interesting thing as well that we haven't really talked about with this is the 49ers have a great record right now. They've got a great defense, but they haven't beaten very many teams that are really playoff caliber teams at this point. Uh, they beat the Seahawks. Uh, the Bears, eh. Broncos beat them. They beat the Panthers, the Rams, which the Rams are not the Rams of last year. Um, and they beat them twice. They beat the Chargers, who I'm not sold on. The Saints, the Cardinals, which are what they are. So, I mean, it's you start looking, looking down who they beat and who they lost to, and it's, it's really I, – I can't decide if they're as good as I think they are. Yeah, that's that part's true, and I think you can also say the other thing here is the Dolphins. Lost to yeah, they lost to Denver. Yeah, but you know, hey, look, they to me the 49ers have won four games in a row. The Dolphins have won five, and I I would say that the opponents that the 49ers have beaten have been better than what the Dolphins have faced over the last five weeks. I you could argue that the Dolphins have not beaten a playoff caliber team here since week three. Now you can only play who's on your schedule. This mm -hmm. was the soft part of the Dolphins' schedule, and it's hard to win five games on the road against anybody in the NFL. So, yeah, I mean, I but I I, I understand what you're saying. So well, I was a little surprised that that the Niners were favored by three and a half, four points all week. I was expecting it to be more like two and a half or three, but um, yeah, I mean, I I see two teams in who are very different. 49ers are obviously have the best defense in the league. The Dolphins have one of the best offenses. But coming in hot, albeit not against the greatest competition over the last month. Yeah, and, and you know, when you say that about they haven't beaten a, a, a true playoff team since week three, they beat the Bills. They beat teams that are in the top five to seven on most, most people's power rankings early on. Like, maybe not over the last five weeks, but they've beaten some real teams at least in here. Like, and Outside of the Seahawks, who I'm also not fully sold on as much as some people are, the 49ers haven't really beat anybody. That's fair to say. Um, so they this is going to be a... And they lost to the Broncos. Yeah, they lost to the Broncos in week three, though. That's Yeah, the Broncos, who look worse than the Texans almost, with a lot more Four talent. Yeah, that, it's still, I mean, uh, I, I look at this team and I still, I still see the best defense in the league. And then on the offensive side of the ball, they've got normally four weapons who are, I mean, it's, it's, that's, those are good mismatches for, for the 49ers. You've got Christian McCaffrey at running back at wide receiver. You've got Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, and you've got George Kittle at tight end. Um, now the dolphins could get a big break here because 
it's starting to sound like Debo Samuel is trying to play, but is not getting better as, as the days are progressing. And so it's trending more toward being out for this game. That would be huge for them because now you can have Xavier Howard on Brandon Ayuk. Um, and then you can have Cater Kohu going up against their third receiver, which is Juwan Jennings. Um, and I think those matchups tend to favor the Dolphins at cornerback. Um, whereas if Debo plays, you know, it's, it's more of an even matchup, slight advantage 49ers. Yeah, but I, I would also say, given the nature of the deep bruise on his thigh, Debo, if he plays, is not going to be full Debo. Um, and 80% of Debo is, is not quite as scary as Debo at 100%. And this sounds crazy to say, but I know I'm a big Cater Kohu fan and have been for months now. Uh, he is starting to be around the ball more and more each week. And he is really overdue for that first interception. And Garoppolo throws a lot of interceptable balls. If you, in that's a matchup that if I'm bold predicting again, I still think Cater Kohu gets his interception this week. Does he though? Does he throw a lot of interceptable passes? Uh, I think he does. He's thrown 304 passes this year. He has four picks. Okay. So I, uh, I, I'll tell you what, though. Uh, two years ago when the Dolphins played the 49ers, he went seven for 17 for 77 yards through two interceptions. The Dolphins won by four touchdowns, and Garoppolo was benched at halftime. Now, the defensive coordinator has not, has not changed here since 2020. He's the same guy. Um. I'm wondering how much Jimmy G is going to want to come out and redeem himself from that game. Now, if the Dolphins get a lead here and the 49ers offensive tackles, Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey don't get the better of Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips, he may not have a choice in the matter. So we'll see about that. Um, but one thing I'm looking for here too, Paul, is the Dolphins on the road defensively have not been good this year at home. They've been great. Um, so that's one thing that I'm, I'm a little concerned about. The other part, though, is ever since the Dolphins have gotten Bradley Chubb, they've been a much better defense. Yeah, they absolutely have. It, it's the pass rush that they can bring from all over with Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb, uh, and, and the rest of the, the Dolphins crew. And really, like, one of the guys that still goes unheralded, even though I mention it every week, is Christian Wilkins has really been pushing the pocket a lot lately. And so has Zach Sealer. And I've noticed Raekwon Davis getting close to the action as well lately. So they've just got a plethora of pass rushers at this point in time. And good God, we blitzed Jerome at Baker through the A-gap one time last week, and it worked. Who'd have thought? Yeah, Baker's been playing really well over the last few games. and uh, He's a week 10 and on player. Let's just face it. <laughs> the as far as the Dolphins defensive line and I'm on the brink of being really, really excited about this unit, but I've got to see it on the road against a quality opponent here. Cause if, you know, say what you want about the Browns and the Texans, but the Browns heading into that game had one of the best offensive lines in the league still do um, the Texans as bad as they are, Laramie Tunzel and Tyus Howard uh, are not the problem there with no. the Texans. They're, they're a very good tandem. And Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb, to say the least, got the better of both of them. You go into San Francisco and you get the better of Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey. 
And you pair that with how well this defensive tackle uh, trio has been playing, especially against the run where they're allowing, what, 3.6 yards a carry, second best in the league against opposing running backs. The Dolphins really have an identity on defense heading into the final stretch here. Well, we, we haven't even mentioned Melvin Ingram as well. I, I love the pass rush packages that have Jalen Phillips, Melvin Ingram, and, and Bradley Chubb on the field at the same time. Those are fun and effective packages that really stress an offensive line, especially since it's in particular Chubb or Phillips can also drop into coverage. Uh, Melvin Ingram a little bit, not as much. But end of the day, you don't know who's coming. And that's a fun place to be for a defense. And it's really not a fun place for an offensive line that's trying to pass protect. Fun and effective package. I, I think that's very well said. Um, Melvin Ingram this week was actually given a sack. They took the statisticians took a sack away from Duke Riley and gave it to Melvin Ingram in the middle of the week. I don't know if you saw that. No, I didn't see that. But it's I, it, it's one of those unfortunate ones where Riley deserves the sack and Ingram deserves the credit because Ingram chased him. He kind of fell over at, but it was Riley that actually tackled him. Yeah. So now on the season, uh, Ingram has five sacks. And um, one thing about right tackle, Mike McGlinchey and, and Oscar confirmed this as well. When we did our opponent preview is, is he's, he's a, he's a good tackle. He's a good right tackle, but he struggles a bit against power. Well, that's not good news when you've got Bradley Chubb and Melvin Ingram, who you're probably going to be going up for most of the going against for most of the game. So that's where the Dolphins heat certainly needs to come from um, here as, as they go up against this offensive line. Uh, what other matchups are you looking at here, Paul, the, uh, as we go along? In honesty, one of the ones that we haven't really talked about is given the injuries at the tackle position for Miami, one big X factor that we have that, that's been coming on very strong, especially in this blocking game over the past few weeks, even though he didn't really have any weak moments this season. Alec Ingold is the X factor when it comes to protecting Tua, when it comes to trying to neutralize guys like Boza, uh, when it comes to trying to neutralize guys like Armstead, when it's trying to neutralize some of these linebackers that, that may squirt through. Uh, Ingold could be a huge difference in this game, particularly with Armstead's injury, uh, whether Armstead plays or not. And yeah. that's something that I'm really keeping an eye on here, as well as just how he gets utilized throughout the game. Because with all these weapons, Engel tends to be a forgotten player for opposing defenses in a lot of situations. And he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can get that little run up the middle on, on fourth and one or third and one. And the other one too, as much as we still talk about Gasicki, Smythe's having himself a decent year here. And I'm sure he's not going to be facing the toughest of matchups in this game. So Smythe could actually have a big day in this game while they're paying attention to guys like Gasicki, who they feel like, all right, one of these weeks he's going to wake up and it ain't going to be against us. And Knowing uh, McDaniel's tendencies with tight ends when he had George Kittle out there in San Francisco, I'm sure they're going to keep an extra eye on Gesicki regardless of the stat line. And with Tyreek and Waddle squirting out there and Jeff Wilson, who they know, Smythe could very, and Ingold could very well be those forgotten guys that can turn the tide of this game. 
Yeah, Smythe had his first uh, touchdown catch last week. You know, he's a what-you-see-is-what-you-get type of player, Durham Smythe. He does his job. Rarely do you look at a game and say you won or lost because of Durham Smythe. Uh, and I tend – it's not that I don't like him. It's that I, I tend to want, you know, aside from Waddle and Hill, I, I, I tend to want Gesicki, Ingold, or Trent Shurfield out on the field instead of him. That's that's where I stand on him. So he's not a bad player, but I, I the Dolphins have so many other other weapons that I think are better in the slots that they're in and, and create more mismatches. Yeah, as far as Ingold. But real quick before you move on from that, just it, it's the big thing too is Smythe may see a little bit more runway this week, given those tackle injuries to help out with the pass rush and sneak out and squirt out. Possibly. Um yeah, you must be loving this game because this might be two of the best fullbacks in the NFL here. I mean, uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if these are the I, AFC and NFC uh, 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 Pro Bowl fullbacks here. I I 100% agree with you. It's And I, the only thing I actually, not 100% because I wouldn't even say might. To me, these are the two best fullbacks in the game right now. They're a little bit different style of fullback uh, from each other. But at the end of the day, it's it's a fun thing to see. Like the only thing I love more than than having good solid fullbacks is having fat guys at fullback. And I still want to see a, a power eye type package with with two big fat guys in the backfield and Alec Ingold. That'd be a fun one for me for for a day. But regardless, it's this is definitely a winnable matchup. But it's a huge litmus test for the Dolphins. It's it's one of those games that. Both of these teams have a little bit of something to prove nationally, Miami more so, but this is, this is a, a chance for San Francisco's defense to prove that they can beat playoff caliber teams. And this is a chance for Miami's offense to really prove that, you know, they are who we all think they can be. And that's going to be interesting how that turns out from this game. And one thing we have to remember too, for both sides, is these are both playoff caliber teams right now. Somebody does have to lose, and that's not the end of the season for either team if somebody does lose here. Yeah, if the Dolphins were to lose this game, their playoff chances would go to, I think, about, I think 78% was the number. So, no, it's not time to fold up anything. I do think, too, you don't want to be, you don't want to lose these next two games and be eight and five going into Buffalo. That's at the point where we're like, okay, uh, I don't know. And, and I don't think the Dolphins will be. We're not um, losing both. I, I, yeah, I don't think they're going to lose both. Um, so uh, another thing I'm looking out for in this game, too, is uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, he, a middle-of-the-pack quarterback, maybe slightly above. But against the Blitz, he's very good. On the season, a quarterback rating of 117 against the Blitz, seven touchdowns, two interceptions. So – it's that makes it that much more important that the Dolphins are able to rush four with Phillips, Chubb, and Ingram and get home. Um, so you got to force the the 49ers into a lot of second and third and long situations so that that this defensive line has a chance to feast. Um, Paul, your predictions. I think this is gonna be a tight game. I think Miami puts up more points against San Francisco's defense than people expect. And I also think San Francisco scores a little bit more. I think we do see either a defensive or special teams touchdown in this one. Uh, 
I think turnovers are going to be key, and I think Miami takes this game 27-21. I've got – I've been flip-flopping all week with a also a close score. Um, I'm going to go 21-20 49ers. I'm flipping it from the Dolphins to the 49ers in my prediction here. So, wait, what did you go with? 21 to 20 49ers. Close game. Um, After the lecture you gave me about Jason Sanders, I'm pretty sure you're saying he's going to miss an extra point here. (laughs) That that could possibly be. Or a game. I actually had in my mind he would miss a game game winning field goal. Um, But hey, Look, I, I think this game could really go either way, and it's it's going to be a, a, certainly a fun game to watch. I, I have the, the 49ers eking the Dolphins out here, and then the Dolphins coming back next week against the Chargers and redeeming themselves on primetime. Um, anything else uh, stand out from the chat here today? Um, any any questions? Any any? I know we've got a lot of people in chat. I think we've got about 150. Uh, um, not anything major, just, you know. Color thinks Sanders gets a game winner in this one. Uh, King Short, and I quote, damn it, cat. Uh, which <laughs> uh, a lot of fullback talk, a lot of fullback talk. Uh, but no, it, it's, you know, Ken Sean actually just brought up a great stat. Some people wanted Baker gone, but he's ranked 21st among linebackers overall right now in run stop and pass loud versus pursuit. So, it's very interesting to see some of these things. Uh, we got somebody 27 to 14, 31 to 24 fins. Um, 27, yeah. 25 color says uh, with Sanders with a game winning field goal. I could see that too. Y'all got a lot of faith in Sanders boy. Well, he had a good game last week. I mean, I, look. What? I said, Ooh. Yeah. So what, yeah, it, but it was pretty, pretty bad the weeks before I'm, I'm telling you. You can, yeah, he's just, he's hit or miss every week now. I mean, he used to be just consistently great. And then there are times last year he was just consistently terrible. And now he wow. goes back and forth every week. Where was this faith in Dolphins punters that would have like one good game? And, you know, it was, ah, they still suck. Jason Sanders, you give the faith to. Toby uh, and Chad brought up a really good point. Uh, Bradley Chubb has already faced the 49ers this year. It's pretty rare that you face an opponent twice when they're not even in your conference in a year. And he's beat the 49ers. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that that was week three. And so maybe he did learn something from, from uh, the 49ers there in week three that, that he can take into this game. But uh, thank you all for joining us here this morning. We're going to be, you know what I want to see in this game, just to make you happy. I want to see a hook and ladder play from Smythe the Ingle for a touchdown. Okay, great. Fantastic. Hey, hey, if that wins the Dolphins the game, I'm fine with that. Um, but, hey, join us on Monday night, not Sunday night, um, for the breakdown of the Dolphins 49ers game. Thanks for joining us here this morning. I'm Brian Cat NFL, Paul's Fanatic underscore pick. Join us on Facebook, Twitter, finfanatic.com, and the Fan Sided Network. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Uh, did I already say or give our Twitter handle. Hey, you're know. still you, you're still Brian Cat at Brian Cat NFL, and I'm still fanatic underscore pick. So that's we're good. correct. That's correct. Thank you all for joining us here. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fit side.